0: Hey, everybody, it's Kylie Blinn and you are listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo.
1: Hey, everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today is an entrepreneur, author, and speaker who finished top 10 this year and also won the People's Choice Award at the Miss Oklahoma USA 2020 pageant. She is the founder of the women's athleisure wear line Beyond Athletica and the 2019 recipient of a bronze Stevie for Young Female Entrepreneur of the Year. She also published her first book called Who You Are is a Fact last February where it was an Amazon bestseller. She is certainly paving a path to success. I'm excited to have her on today. Kylie Blem. welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
0: Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, so we were just talking a little bit before the podcast here. So you've been in pageantry. This was your second pageant that you competed in. Um, Kind of talk about where pageantry started for you.
0: Yeah, I had a lot of mentors, friends of mine that were former Miss Oklahoma USA title holders, and I myself had always thought that I wanted to do something like that, but I kind of had that same preconceived notion that everyone else has. If you didn't grow up doing it, then you probably can't do it the older you get. Mm -hmm. And so um, I held myself back from pursuing that for a long time. And after a while, I felt like God put it on my heart to pursue that. And as soon as I started asking more questions and getting a little bit more involved with the title holders that I had known previously, I decided that I was going to give it a shot.
1: What's your experience been like so far?
0: It's truly changed my life. And I don't say that lightly because the person that I was before doing pageantry was not at all as confident, um, not as forward, not someone that took action as fast as I do now. I mean, as a matter of fact, like I wouldn't be the business owner. I wouldn't probably even have my business if I would have never stepped into pageantry. It gave me confidence. It taught me more life skills in the preparation for the pageant than I've ever learned outside of it. So it's been a great
1: experience. And I think that's what's interesting about your journey that's, I would say, different from a majority of the pageant world because most girls or women are not going through pageantry right now building a business. You know, most of them are looking forward to when I'm done and when I graduate, etc., or yeah. when I get married, uh, then I'm going to do this, and then they're going to take what they learned in the pageantry world and apply it you literally get the benefit of applying it directly in the moment to what you're doing. So when you were thinking about starting a business, um, you know, the confidence aspect obviously was a big part of that. But anything else that you've taken from pageantry yeah. that you've been literally able to directly apply to entrepreneurship and building a business?
0: You know, when it comes down to pageantry, I asked myself, what, what, in my opinion, made a great title holder? And one of the first things that came to my mind was someone that's well-spoken and has a message. And so because of that, I would say that it was kind of like killing two birds in one stone. I was able to find out what my message was and become a better speaker and rider, and I, and from what I learned in pageantry through coaching, and then also what I'm learning in business, I was able to cross both roads and apply things like that.
1: So this year, you top ten People's Choice Award winner, congratulations on that. Um, are you going to continue to do this? Mm-hmm. You, you're gonna, you're gonna keep going.
0: I don't think the dream is over for me yet. But um, after I left this year, the girl that won Miss Oklahoma USA is a very good friend of mine. I was thrilled that she won and will continue the lineage of that program. But I think my business point this year that it really, really, really needs my attention. And um, we have a lot of new things happening. And so I don't know that it'll be in the books for me as of 2021, but I don't think it's over. I, I know that I have nothing but time. I have quite a few year, years before I age out of the process.
1: Yeah. How so. old are you right now?
0: I'm 22.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. you're You, you got... Hell, you got six years. You're in good shape. No problem there. Well, hey, look. The the one big reason that I brought you on, um, you know, as we talked about, is uh, you are an entrepreneur in your young twenties. Okay, this is not typical. Yeah. And you know, I think the more and more that technology increases and the ability to work from home and all these other things that are happening in society today, a lot more people are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, owning their own business, starting their own business, whatever that may be. And I thought it would be really good for you to be able to kind of uh, expound on the experience that you have had the past two years in your early 20s of learning how to start, run, and build a business. Um, Because I know that path. I've been on it quite a few times already and it's fun and it's hard and it sucks sometimes. And I'm really interested to know just, I think from the very beginning, what inspired you to want to even start a clothing line?
0: Sure. Well, um, it's a really, really cool story. And what I like most about it and telling it is how practical it is because um, anybody can do what I've done based on the process of how I did it. I will attest to what you said though about um, being more people becoming entrepreneurs actually statistically speaking everyone that is a generation younger than millennials will be 70% of them will be self-employed by the time they're in their 20s oh, wow. That's
1: so a good statistic. there
0: is a huge yeah huge shift coming something to pay attention to if you are wanting to be an entrepreneur or business owner and it's actually a great thing so for beyond athletic how that got started. I was I'll take you all the way back to the beginning when I was in college. I was a freshman in college and you could say that I was living the life that I thought that I wanted. I was at a great university, Oklahoma State University actually, and I was in a sorority. I had great friends, a great education and um, really everything I, I thought I wanted until I had felt this constant urge Pulling, not whatever you want to call it. And it was so unsettling. Like it was like where I was at in college and the degree I was pursuing was not right for me. But changing schools or changing majors didn't seem to help that feeling. So I took a huge risk and I decided to quit college. And my parents had told me, you know, that's okay, but you, you got to do something like pick what you want to do. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go to hair school. And I shortly after enrolled myself there, and I actually specifically went to aesthetic school where I obtained my esthetician license. And I came back home after that, after that schooling. It was about seven months long. And I started working at a hair salon in my hometown. You could say... Although I had a great time in that industry, coming home at 21 after leaving a university and working in a hair salon was not exactly my idea either. It didn't seem like that was my calling, but I knew that it was where I needed to be at that time. So I honestly, I got real close with God and I was just like, you have put me in this place now that I have money And I can leave, I can up and leave a job as soon as I need to. I can go anywhere you need me to, like, please use me. I'm begging you. I'll do anything, like put it on my heart and I'll go. And in that same time, I had a conversation with my dad and, and he said, you know, Kylie, opportunity is everywhere, but you have got to open your eyes to it. You got to find it. And I was like, where is this opportunity you speak of? Like, where do I find it at? <laughs> How am I going to have like one of those stories um, where you just fall into something? And so, I was actually driving about a week later, and I was thinking, and I was so literal. I took his words so literal, and I was like, "Where's this opportunity? Am I gonna? Am I gonna be inspired by something? Am I gonna like?" a billboard and like, think, there it is. <laughs> and so uh, as I was driving, I was like, you know, I should get into retail. I love that industry. This tells you how much I knew about it before I got started, though. <laughs> um, I was <laughs> <laughs> nothing is the answer. So I, um, I was like, you know, I should get into retail. And I thought to myself, one thing I would love to buy right now is like Lululemon athletic wear. I can finally afford it, but I don't want to buy it because it's more money than I would like to spend. And I was like, but I don't have an alternative option. Like, I don't know where I can get something of their quality, but for a better price, for a more realistic price for myself. So um, when I was thinking of retail, I thought, you know what? I should I should fix that. Like, I should um, find athletic wear to sell to give people other options of high quality athletic wear for a better price. And so that night, I got to my destination and I got my laptop started Googling where I can buy athletic wear at wholesale. And um, I found some places that, like, some other lines that I was like sending them emails asking them if I could wholesale their products. So I sent out, you know, a handful of those and just waited for them to respond. And uh, the next day, none of them responded but one guy. And he called me and he said, Hey, um, we like wholesale athletic wear. We don't have like an athletic wear line that we can give to you and you can sell, but we're actually small batch manufacturers here in the U S and we specifically make women's athletic wear. How can we help you? And I was like, huh?
1: So (laughs) you were out to private label your own line of somebody else's materials.
0: I wasn't even going to private label. I was just going to carry somebody else's line, like a boutique. So, um, I, I was store. I didn't want my own brand specifically because I didn't know how to do it. I didn't think it was possible. Um, So I wasn't even searching for that. But the person that I found, they're only, they didn't have an athletic wear line to like wholesale or private label. They're, They're a cut and sew factory. And they were like, we can cut and sew you whatever you want. And we specifically make and focus on women's athletic wear. And I was like, well, that's crazy. I mean, I don't know how to do that. Um, and and it's what like it's like a small, it's like a minimum, a small minimum, like three hundred. They're like, no, 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 like twelve. Oh my gosh!
1: Yeah, no, that's wow. Yeah,
0: that's that's crazy, right? So I said, okay, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm gonna see what we can do. uh, How do I design? And he, you know, there's a whole nother language. Like I said, I didn't know before, but it just took me like hearing some no's or hearing some yeses to get me in the direction and educated on that specific industry. And that's kind of how I've looked at this entire journey. Whenever you want to talk about business and starting your own business and what's next, and you're diving into an industry that you don't know anything about, I think the best approach is scaling it down to it immediately to take immediate action and figure out a yes or a no. To put you on the path to get you to where you
1: need to go. No, that totally makes sense. And I think, you know, what you talked about with, I you know, what a lot of people have done, at least in the past decade, just because of, you know, where the economy has been, um, not only nationally but globally, is that um, people will take, uh, take a site like Alibaba. They'll find the whole – there's a back-end wholesale site where people will go do what you're talking about. They'll go take – um, and they'll buy. You know, somebody will sell a minimum of 300 pairs of this <laughs> specific uh, legging, and then they can private label it when they get it themselves, and then they can put the markup and the margins on it, so they can buy leggings for 15 bucks and sell them for 80. In this instance, as an example, and I, I think you know now you're seeing that more domestically, where you're trying to do you know maybe made in the USA and and you know keep things here for to make jobs for people. But I guess walk me through. After coming up with that thought process of, okay, this is what I'm going to do, yeah, and it right. is is possible, talk to me about the process of taking it from idea and, uh, okay, I found a place where I can actually source from to now building a brand and figuring out how you're going to do this.
0: Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, um, actually, as soon as I got off the phone with my new manufacturer, I called a friend of mine, and she, I told her, I said, hey, um, I think I'm going to have, like, an athletic wear line what do you think? And her response is, she's my best friend. She's still my best friend, even after saying this, but she said, Kylie, you know, what makes you think you're going to be like different or better than Lulu Like why, like, why was somebody dominating? And I I didn't have a response for her. I just, I had not thought about that. And that is what opened my eyes to how important branding is and kind of my next few steps in the business process So to continue on how I started to build the brand, it was in my best interest, I felt like, to first just dive into, like, what would be my warm market. I think whenever you come up with business ideas, this isn't my first business, it's actually my second, and the first time around, I made the mistake of feeling like I needed to be, like, the big guys, the guys that have been doing this for so long, and I forgot about the people who already know me and support me and want to hear what I have to say or want to buy the product that I put in front of them. And so I decided the best thing that I can do for business, even respond to the product, what their, what their feedback is, is go directly to my warm market. And my warm market was, at the time, the women that I worked with every single day that came to me as clients in my hair salon, the people that I had grown my um, network on Facebook and Instagram and just showed them, like, hey, there's pretty cool new athletic wear line. I created it. And, of course, they loved the story. And over time, I realized that the story is what sells best. I think everybody is looking for a story. Everybody is looking for how practical and how they can relate. And mine just happened to be a really relatable story, and they have responded best to that. So as soon as I developed this this concept, had the product, we were like in our first month, I was planning on writing a book. And so I went to a speaking and writing conference, and while I was there, I met that same place for a marketing conference and they sat me down and talked to me a little bit about this and he said the most important thing you can ever do for your brand in this day and age is put yourself Kylie in front of it and put the brand beyond Athletica behind you And um, with all my experience now having a brick and mortar and online store and collaborating with other brands, having yourself as a brand and developing that and working on that is by far way more important than pushing your business brand.
1: So, your story that you tell as your brand story is what?
0: Well, kind of like what I is kind of what I described before about how I even got started doing that. I think that most people are just fascinated by my entrepreneur spirit, was able to take $5,000 and turn it into the, and um, I think that they relate to that the most.
1: Walk me through this. So, and the question your friend asked you was, I I thought it was a really good legitimate question because I think you have to ask yourself when you're starting a business, the really hard questions of, you know, what is the real path here? What actually am I going to say or what am I going to do? When you talk about Lululemon, you know, the one thing that I know about Lululemon from just talking to women all over the country who wear Lululemon is nothing fits like Lululemon. There's something about the fabric and the way they make it that just stands out from all the other brands. Now, obviously, in order to get it to fit that way, it's expensive material, and I'm sure it's an expensive process in the way they sew and everything in order to do that. So in trying to find a way to do that but yet make it cheaper – and still make a margin and a profit to be able to operate a business. How did you feel like you were going to be able to do that?
0: That's kind of what I learned in the design process and where my manufacturer really came into key. I knew that I wanted a high-quality product and a product similar to the fit and, and whatever, but because we have a small batch factory that we are able to develop a lot of our products through, we've actually figured out kind of our own way of finding like a fit that works better for our customer as a matter of fact like leggings are our best seller. i have sold hundreds of pairs of leggings i mean like probably at this point a thousand pairs of leggings in the last two years and we have never had one single pair returned and that that come kind of comes down to the dynamics of cut and fill and the the textile you're using and the thread count and the thread weight so I could dive into that, but most importantly, when it comes down to like how the question that my friend asked, like, how are you going to be different than them? I think a product is a product, first of all, especially in retail, there is thousands of patterns and fabrics and ways that you could go about. Most importantly, what makes us different than Lululemon is myself. And that's kind of what I was attesting to about making Kylie the brand versus Beyond Athletica the brand. So when you shop with me, you feel that personal connection that you don't get when you work with a corporate size company like Lululemon. You're you're not gonna meet their owner firsthand. You're not gonna know that like he may or may not have designed this or how much he put into the product that you're spending yet when you're shopping with my product you're getting first hand knowledge with me as the buyer you're getting first hand knowledge of like how the process is made and it cuts out kind of the middleman and i think my buyers and customers Love that they feel so included in the process and what they're buying it has made us different.
1: Okay, very good. So here's what I want to do. I want to get into now the the guts and the grind of the business because I think that's the st- the part that okay. nobody ever likes to talk about. <laughs> you know you and me included. But right. you, know, you, you you find out what your idea is. Then you find out where can I source the stuff from. Then you've got your factory and your processes and you've built your brand and you've got a story. Okay, so you now have a official business set up. Now, it's how do we grow and build a business and actually make money? Let's talk about the daily grind. What is it like right now running a business and what are you doing on a daily basis?
0: What is it like right now when you're year
1: two into a business?
0: Reality is that you spend about 60 hours a week working for no pay. So um, I had not taken a single dollar from that business to pay myself in any way, shape, or form. And that is one. I'm so thankful. Somebody told me that before I got started, like do not expect, and you probably shouldn't pay yourself. There will be a time, but it will be years from now. So I think setting your expectations before you start a business and knowing that like, potentially I will put in so much more time and effort and heart into this than I will ever be paid back in cash. So I devote, you know, most of my week to this business and I don't get any form of compensation back other than just fulfillment of of what I do, which honestly goes a long way. And it's proven to me over the last two years that I love retail and I love people. And I love being a business owner because for all the stuff that you have to go through without getting paid to do this, you have to love it. Or you're going to get to those points where you're like, why? Am I doing this? This doesn't make sense. I feel stupid for taking this direction. There, so many things go through your head. I'm sure you understand as a business owner what that, all those things that come and go.
1: I I do, and I'm. I'm just gonna. I'll use a perfect example just to kind of you know tie our stories together a little bit. Um, I have another business uh, with a friend. Uh, We own a organic healthy meal delivery business out of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Um, We are in our fifth year. We just finished our fifth year. Um, for the first time getting to, you know, right around a million dollars in revenue. We still haven't paid ourselves and we're five years in. Yeah. And we know the potential of it and where it can go. But, you know, I have another buddy who's a guy. I think he's his business is worth like five hundred million dollars now. And he taught me that, you know, that everything you make, you pretty much reinvest into building into the business until you can get it to a point where you can take money in a situation where your margins are comfortable enough that you're not taking away from your employees, you're not taking away from the growth of your business or the ability to you know, invest into resources that would help grow it you know, as you move forward. So that is the tough part and I don't think anybody likes to hear that and they're like, well, that sucks. I don't think I wanna do that. But at the same time, that's why starting a business has to be more than just an idea and I wanna make money. It's gotta be a passion because if you don't have that passion, those 60 to 80, 100 hour weeks that you're doing like you talked about, you're not going to make it. I mean, you're going to get in a year in and be For like, I'm, sure. I'm quitting. I'm done.
0: For sure. I think one of the most important and valuable lessons I've learned is to, I, I've always learned, and I learned this through network marketing, like you don't want to reinvent the wheelhouse and you always want to make things duplicatable. And I knew that in a business. If I wanted a scale business that I don't have to spend you know, hours of my time at, then it needs to be something that can be duplicatable without me there. And I think I've done a good job of making sure that my business runs without me. As a matter of fact, if your business doesn't run without you, it's not a business. It's a big job. So my business doesn't fact, run without me um, being there all the time. As a matter of fact, I don't spend, but like maybe I work in the store one day a week at this point, which was not the case when I first opened. But those are just some key points that you might want to think about in your own business. Like, you know, like I said, how can it run without me? Is this duplicatable, but don't reinvent the wheelhouse. I think when it goes to business growth and strategy, I always try to look at what other people are doing that seem to be working for them, but then come back around and see how I can apply it and if it fits in my business. And you probably can attest to this, but Not everything else that somebody is doing is going to fit in your business model.
1: Correct. Correct. And I think one of the landmines that I ran into early in entrepreneurship is that when you're building a business like you are, the one thing that you have to decide early on is what is the ultimate goal of this thing? Do I want to franchise it? Do I want to sell it to private equity investment? Do I want to sell out and just take the money and run? Or do I want to keep this thing going until I die and give it to my kids? You have to know that now because the way that you build the business from the ground up, you know, from the very first year is incredibly important. Now, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what your uh, plan is and you don't have to share it if you don't want to, but I think that's important to know early on because if you can't figure out what the end goal is, um, you're just kind of saying, I want to grow, but you don't really have a growth plan or a target to hit.
0: For sure. I mean, I think I actually, and I try to set, I think this might be backwards from what a lot of people would say, but I try to set my goals low, as in like what what's in reach for me right now, and I like gut it out to whatever that is. For for beyond, you could look at it and say like, oh well, then are you trying to scale and go to ten locations in the next ten years? If you would have asked me that a year ago, I probably would have said yes. But now that I've had some time in the industry to realize how my business is growing and what people respond to best and what the market is i'm gonna i've changed my mind i don't know that i want more storefronts for my business because we have better opportunity doing things in another way so um when it comes to set like goal setting or targeting i've always thought of like what's reasonable for me to do right now that is not something that i can that i'm capable of at the moment but like that i can get to so at first it was like just grow your online business and then second it was like open a storefront and then third not something i can speak of at the moment but if i would have thought to myself you know grow this to potentially sell it out i don't know that i would have made the right decisions along the way just because the market has changed the retail market at least changes very quickly the industry does. It turns over seasonally yeah. and, and it always looks different.
1: Well, and I think with the prevalence of Amazon and just everything that's going on online and how much you can get delivered to your door day of or the day after or even two-day shipping, you have to look at what you're selling and understand if that is something that can be duplicated by a, you know, AKA an Amazon. Now, the businesses that yeah. I own, my wife and I own a salon here in, in Denver. Um, she's a hair extension specialist, so mm-hmm. she does hair extensions. And then, you know, we've got the, the meal delivery business. Those are two things that I know that cannot be on Amazon or be duplicated by Amazon because they're service-based businesses yeah. that have a unique property to them. Now, if I sell clothes, Or if I sell items that you can, you know, supplements or anything that you can go on Amazon and get, that's a scary path to take is because retail has really been killed by Amazon. I mean, it's not dead, but it's certainly not looking good. I mean, you can drive all over the country and see the empty strip malls all over the place. That's a result of just online technology being able to ship it to you. So... I think as you grow, you're probably dealing with that right now. Like, wh- how do I want to scale and grow my business at this point?
0: Yeah. Well, so for me, like, you know, people say that quite a bit. There, like, Because of online retail shopping industry has, has taken a dip. I believe that it's taken a dip, but just with anything, when something new comes out, what the old was takes a dip until the new thing evens out, and then it goes back to, to normal. And I think our economy is kind of in that state where – online is really really popular and everyone's trying to figure out how they can get through all the noise online and reach that customer the way that they used to um, having a storefront like a brick and mortar. And so I believe as you know the next few years come along online will level out as well as in store and in store you're just going to have to take a different approach. My approach at the beginning of having a brick and mortar is not the same as it is now. I'm learning that with the new generation and my ideal and likely buyer, they love experience and they want experience. And that's what they talk about. They talk about the clothes, but they it's because they had an experience. So for me, I had to be adaptable and I had to transition and I had to recognize and admit what my circumstances are. And in my opinion, that's what I would call the middle of a business, of understanding that what you thought was going to happen didn't happen and these are your circumstances because of this and how are you going to continue to grow your business because of it so for me we have a 2200 square foot building it's massive it's way bigger than what we actually need but it was in the location that i wanted well i couldn't fill 2200 square feet of inventory i mean every 800 square feet of inventory is about $15,000 worth. So that's a lot of money. Yep. And yeah, yeah. so I decided I'm going to divide off um, about 800 square foot and turn this into a studio of something of some sort that I can, can get people in the store and talking about. And it has taken try after try to where we are finally a year later, gotten something routine down, kind of a little marketing tactic of mine, but we do $1 yoga. So we get a lot of people coming in. I mean, the, the first, very first time we ever had it, there was like 25 people and only about 10 to 15 can fit comfortably in this room. So they were overflowed out into the store taking a yoga class for a dollar. And it's worked really well for our business model because people come in, they're spending a, a little, a tiny amount of money to get an experience. So they're more likely to purchase clothes because of that, they're more likely to talk about their experience because it was inexpensive and fun and the environment comfortable. And then with their dollars, we were able to pay our teacher and then even donate the rest to uh, the foundation that we support, which is Special Olympics Oklahoma. And it gets people in the foot traffic in and out of our door constantly. So we do that weekly and we have a great response because of that. Now, if I wouldn't have been adaptable to my circumstances and see what exactly they are and how people respond and just if I would have stayed stuck in my own mindset of this is what I want the business to look like, we probably wouldn't have our doors open.
1: Well, I think it's a good tactic. It's kind of of right out of that Lululemon playbook a little bit of you know going into the yoga studios, et cetera, to, to get the the experience and then you know, we'll call them quote unquote influencers to sell their products. But yeah, that I, I think that's a great way that you're approaching it. Now, I do want to ask this, and it's really a two-part question. We'll start with you know one of them. But it's really the good and bad of business. Um, in every business that I have ever started, in each one, there's always that moment where you hit an obstacle where you're like, good God, I had zero idea this was coming. I have no idea how to deal with it. I, this is gonna, it, it might take me down, but you always figure your way through it. Have you had that one yet?
0: You know what? I feel like I'm going through that one right (laughs) now. (laughs) This is not something they teach you. This is where I was telling you before the show that they don't give you like this business manual and say, when this happens, do this. Like that doesn't exist. Come to find out. Um, Because if it did, I would have it. So um, one thing for us that's particularly difficult is we can't keep things in stock at all. I mean, that's a great problem to have. I know other businesses would love to have that problem, but with the amount that we turn over constantly and the amount of time that it takes our factories to cut. And so those two processes really aren't working for us. And like I mentioned to you before, I started this business with $5,000, and to this day, that's all I've ever invested money-wise into that's the awesome. business.
1: That's awesome. That is awesome. We don't
0: have you no know, capital. We don't have working capital backing us. We run. I say we. I, the business and I are the same person, same thing. <laughs> but I run the business on cash, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And if I wasn't 22, and if I had more equity and more resources, I would use them, but I don't. And so I've had to use my resources and be as smart about them as possible. But because of that, and, you know, our holiday season was great. We had a wonderful Christmas. Our sales were you know, doubled in the October, November, December season. But now that that is over and we've evened out and I'm trying to restock the business and what we sold, the cash flow is low. And that's a scary thing when you kind of feel like your back's against the wall, and to run your business takes money, and the only money that you can create is through cash flow. Come to find out, most businesses don't run just on cash. So that is an obstacle that I'm currently fighting my way through and figuring out like what I can do, and I don't quite have the answer for it yet. But to say that it is stressful would be an understatement. Well, it, let me
1: let me tell you why that. That situation that you're in is a good thing. It sucks right now and it hurts and it's stressful. You probably lose sleep every night. I I get it. I, I've been there. Yeah. But but this is the reason why shows This is the reason why shows like Shark Tank are, are incredibly popular <laughs> is because when people get into those situations they want the easy way out. Where can I get more money? How can I get free money or, or et cetera? You know, they're looking for how but what will happen is if you get through this. With the discipline of running on cash and figuring out a way to run on cash in a way that works for you, mm-hmm. you're going to be so excited in five years when your business is debt-free, your sales are killing it, and your profit margins are high, and that money's going, you know, a lot of it back to you. You know, you, now you're doing really well. You know, that's yeah. the dream of an entrepreneur is I want to make a lot of money myself and not answer to anybody one day. Well, that will come. But you can't do it without yeah. going through this part of it, and I'm happy that you're going through it. Not that I love that you're not lo- you're probably losing sleep, but I think it's a great place to be <laughs> right. because if you can get through this part and figure it out, I promise you, you will reap so many benefits and rewards ahead of it. So see the big picture in yeah. the long game in well, this, and don't see you know what it is right now at this very moment.
0: Well, for sure, and and I had to ask myself. I mean, I had a, like a come to Jesus meeting with myself the other day. I I said, Kylie all right, these are your circumstances. So within your business and what you've learned, like I think what I forget and what most entrepreneurs forget is that like the amount, the two years that i put into this business, I have two years worth of knowledge that has so much value to it. Like who I was before I started this business is not worth who I am now. It's way higher. So I have better resources. I have a bigger network and, and it might not be liquid like cash is, but I can apply that. And so I ask myself, with the resources that you have and what you know today and what you're capable of, what can you do that makes money that you don't have to spend money? And I know that's like kind of like a subjective question. Like everyone's like, well, yeah, how can I make money without spending money? But I had to like really be specific about that and say, am I looking at my business the, the right way? And what I realized is, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you can see your business so linear. Like, I only saw my business as I have to design products, I have to buy the product, then I have to put it in the store, then I have to market it, and then I have to sell it. And then I get the money that I invested five steps ago back just to reinvest and do all over again. And that's obviously the continual process that we're on, but it's not the only thing that we can do. And because I asked myself that that question, I actually took a very important phone call with a huge company today about how I can help them knowing what I know about my business. And that will make me money without spending money. It, it makes me money just based on my resources and my knowledge. So that was just a very important thing for me to ask myself and to, and to realize that like you, when you're back against the wall or even when your are not against the wall, how are you thinking outside of the, the box? Like I'm always checking myself. Like, Are you are you conditioned? Have you conditioned your mind to think only one way? Like, are you thinking of your business in a linear way? Like, what are you not seeing? And because I create that curiosity in myself, I think that's how I'm always able to kind of stay on top of whatever the next trend is.
1: Well, now that we've talked about you know what's what's been the hard part as you've gone through this you know two years now, what's been the best part of you know being an entrepreneur, starting your business?
0: Uh, Two things come to mind, and um, one thing personally is just the fact that like, I can take you know, a few hours out of my day to have conversations like this and I don't have anybody telling me what I need to be doing. Um, I know that in this world, we're all kind of climbing a ladder, hoping to have disposable income at one point to kind of live the life that we want to create. And I feel like even though I go through the middle and the crap of what it takes to run a business, I am climbing my own ladder in a sense that like every effort that I take is just adding more and more equity to like my life in the long run than somebody else's. I mean, it, it, it's just in a nutshell, as you're going to either work for an entrepreneur or you're going to be one. And so any smart business person is like, well, I'm going to to be one for sure. So that would be one thing. And then the second thing, the response that I've gotten from the community, and I think this is kind of special to Oklahoma because Oklahoma is a small enough state that you feel like you know everybody in this place. And they're so genuine and so down to earth and they respond really well and they love The entrepreneurial spirit and so having a storefront and as I'm working in there there's been a few instances where women have came in and they brought their daughters in and I've had the opportunity to kind of share my story they always ask me is this your business and I'm like yes it is and they're amazed because they can tell just by looking at me that I'm not very old I get to share with them that I wrote um, a book and I actually give away my book for free in store And so I've gotten a lot of feedback from these parents and even some of these girls handwriting me letters telling me just how much of an impact that I've had on them. And that is the part that, like, money can't buy. That's the part that, like, keeps you going even though you're not paying yourself because you realize that the person you once were is kind of in the same shoes that they are and you've inspired them to be where you're at in their own respective way. And I think that that's been the most rewarding thing
1: so far, well, and I think it's an important lesson you know when you when you start a business with the goal of making money you're you're a lot more likely to fail than if you start a business because you want to help people or help people become better with what you're producing and it sounds like that's exactly yeah. what you're doing and your, and your story speaks to that and, and your life and so that's really cool um, obviously uh, other people have started to take notice, you won a Stevie award for Young Female Entrepreneur of the Year, talk about that.
0: Yeah, the Stevie was incredible um, I have a mentor that I follow that won a Stevie award um, last year and I remember when she received that award I was like that is the coolest thing ever, I want one of those um, <laughs> And I I quickly learned how important a Stevie is for business and and just to be able to say that you have, and the Stevie has, you know, a ton of categories. This year they released a new, I believe it's a new category um, of young female entrepreneur of the year. And it's female entrepreneurs under the age of 26. So I, I was thinking, you know, I want to nominate myself for this. I want to see if, you know, where I'm at with. Able to receive such an award, and I almost didn't do it. I had my video ready, I had my application ready, and I remember sitting in Starbucks saying, "Like, there's no way. I mean, there is just no way they're going to pick me." And then I quickly snapped back to myself and said, "You don't get to say no. Like, that's on this. Why not you? Like, I, I tell myself that all the time. Why not you? I think mean, that's where my my confidence comes from. So I submitted." my application and I heard back a few weeks later and I remember I cried when I got that email back that said you know you're you're a finalist meaning that you have absolutely won a CV so uh, my mom and I flew out to New York City for the awards. set through the awards ceremony and that is where they presented me with the bronze CV and I think they said there was 1200 other applicants so it was um, a very big deal.
1: Well, hey, you never know until you try. And you obviously prove that to yourself. So congratulations on the award. Oh,
0: for sure.
1: Uh, so let's talk about your book, okay. uh, Who You Are as a Fact, Amazon yeah. bestseller. You just mentioned that you hand it out for free in your store. Um, what, what inspired you to write this book?
0: Whenever um, I was working with my pageant coach, her name is Taylor Gorton. She owns Pink Door Press. I know Taylor. I was working with her. You know Taylor? Yeah, we
1: well, actually used really to work at the Rams together. Now.
0: Oh, no way. Yeah, well, she um, she's an incredible pageant coach, and um, I owe a lot of my knowledge to her helping me out. And So whenever I um, was working with her, she was like, asking me a ton of questions and she was like, what do you want to do in five years? And I was like, I I think write a book. I by no means thought I was capable of it or did I know my message? And so during this pageant season, as I was developing myself, I asked myself, you know, how can I still make a difference if I'm not going to be Miss Oklahoma this year? Like, what can I do that will still make a difference? And I was like, well, I've got to be a better speaker and writer. I've got to figure out how to get my message out there. So um, that was when I went to the speaking and writing conference, and I learned a lot there. And I came back home, and I just put everything that I felt like was on my heart, any lesson I learned, any perspective that had changed for me out on paper to see, you know, kind of overall what I was trying to get out. I think I didn't know my full message until I put it out and read it myself. But um, after that, it came out to be a book that is kind of just all about proving to yourself like who you are and that that's valid and that you don't need anybody else to attest to that. And I talk about insecurities that I've had and how I handle them. And it's it's a short book. And so it's really practical. You read a story that is tied directly to me. You get a lesson out of it and an action item. And it's things that like are just quick pick me up. So I've had a lot of success with handing that out and people coming back to me and telling me how much it's impacted their lives.
1: Well, it sounds like you're doing a heck of a lot here. I mean, you've got a business, you've wrote a book, you've competed in pageants and all you need is the crown. And I mean, you pretty much you've got the, the good resume oh set gosh. up there before the age of 25.
0: <laughs> you're telling me, like I said, I will come back around especially to the USA organization. My heart's there. I believe in that organization. I've loved all of their past title holders and current title holders. So um, I think as I'm just not quite as demanded of with my business, that it's not over for me yet.
1: Okay, very good. Well, hey, can we do our uh, 10 get-to-know-Kylie questions?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, so here we go. Ten of them, real quick. Uh, these are totally for fun. These are not serious questions, as you'll hear. All right, here we okay. go. Number one. Do you like the word dapper? I do. <laughs> good, it's a good one.
0: Should I, should I explain on that?
1: <laughs> no, no, that's good. I, I, I'm good with that. It's
0: so, it's a, it's a sophisticated word.
1: <laughs> Number two, do you have a pageant idol? Oh
0: gosh. Um, my pageant style idol, I would say Olivia's Colpo. I mean, her outfits are killer.
1: Number three, how many hours of sleep do you need a night, even though you probably don't get them as an entrepreneur?
0: Ideally, eight, but six at the least.
1: Okay. Number four, if you were given an all-expenses-paid trip to Detroit, Michigan, would you take it?
0: Oh, gosh. What's in Detroit? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's probably a lot. No, I You don't hear people talk about it very often.
1: That's the point.
0: At least people from Oklahoma. Yes, I would though. I would. Broaden my horizon.
1: There you go. Number five, what's your favorite carnival food?
0: Um, A funnel cake. A funnel cake
1: for sure. There you go. That's a popular one. Number six, when you fly on a plane, do you wear a neck pillow?
0: No. I tried that one time. That thing doesn't help and is a hassle to carry around.
1: I agree. I don't think it helps at all. It actually hurts my neck when I wear one.
0: Yeah, it doesn't help me sleep whatsoever.
1: Number seven, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you enjoy garlic?
0: Well, I put garlic on everything.
1: Are you Italian?
0: I might as well be, but (laughs) I love Italian food.
1: (laughs) Uh, Number eight, what's your middle name?
0: Rochelle.
1: Rochelle. Spell it.
0: R-A-C-H-E-L-E. Kylie Rochelle.
1: Number nine, what inspires you?
0: Um, Sarah Blakely. I I don't obviously know her personally, but if you listen to her story and how she started Spanx on the podcast, how it's made, uh, it's a very cool, tenacious story. And so I keep that one tucked in the back of my head whenever I need some inspiration.
1: Number 10. Name one of your bucket list items.
0: Mm, To go skydiving. I've always Uh, said I'm not afraid of uh, heights, but I don't
1: know. That's a super popular one. Okay. I'm I'm in agreement on that one. That one's on my list, too. Alright, that's the 10 questions. You're off the hook. Congratulations. Good job.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Well, This has been fun. a really, really cool conversation because I think we've opened the eyes probably of a, a lot of the listeners just on starting a business, what it's actually like to go through you know, some of the aspects that you've been going through in your first couple of years. And obviously you're doing it in your early 20s, which is not normal. So uh, keep up the great work. Yeah. Um, I, we're all excited to watch the, uh, the growth and success of it. And uh, we're always here to help you if you need anything.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And thanks for all your advice. And um, just relating to me where I'm at, that, that's one of the hardest things to find is how can I relate to other? There's not many other business owners. I think people think that it's so popular that everyone owns a business and, and they don't because whenever you're actually in the middle of it, you don't see that. So um, I appreciate all your advice. Well, sure. you're better
1: than me. Let me tell you, at 22, I would have been a disaster of a business owner. I would have not known oh, a thing. Gosh. So uh, you are way, way ahead of me and, and no doubt are going to be successful as you, as you continue to grow here. Well,
0: thank you. Thank you for sure.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Kylie Blem for her time. Now, if you want to follow Kylie's journey, you can follow her Instagram pages. She's got two of them at Kylie R. Blem, that's K-Y-L-E-E-R-B-L-E-H-M, or at Beyond Ath, that's B-E-Y-O-N-D-A-T-H. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram, at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Galatians 6.10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Talk to you next week, everybody.